0: Yes, it's that time of year again. <laughs> it is the true stories of Tinsel Town Spooktacular, <laughs> and my wonderful Spooktacular guest is Stone Wallace which sounds so weird to me to call you Stone, because I'm so used to calling you Stony. But Stone <laughs> loves horror films as much as I do, and he is very knowledgeable. And he's also written horror books. So we are going to do two spooktaculars. This one covers, what, the 20s? There's only like two, <laughs> then 30s. 40s, and 50s. And believe me, we can't talk about all of them, but we've got them down. And then next time, we're going to talk about the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And man, in those times, there were, seemed to be a lot of bad things happening on sets in those years. So how are you, Stony? After that long. Oh, that was a wonderful introduction. introduction,
1: Grace. And as usual, it's my ultimate pleasure to be speaking with you, especially about the topic that we both have a great love and passion for—the horror film.
0: I do love them. Come on, give us all. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: wonderful.
0: I think you're the only I'll you guest. My, I'll
1: give you my Ben Lugosi impersonation. Okay, go. On. I am dracula
0: (laughs) that's good (laughs) i bid you welcome Ah.
1: listen to them the children of the night (laughs) what music they make there you go Mm. i actually played dracula on stage some years ago (laughs) that was quite an experience
0: Bravissimo! <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> that was wonderful. So wonderful, we, yes. yes. Anyway, uh, we are going to start talking about this stuff, and um, like I said, I'm very excited about the show because you know me—I just love my spooktaculars, and it's very fun to have Stone on, who loves them too. So, you want to take it well, away? I
1: agree with- I, I grew up a monster kid. I grew up with the famous monsters of Filmland magazine, and my Saturday matinees usually consisted of Hammer films and American International Poe pictures and uh, the Saturday children movies. So I suppose you could say was and probably still am an addict.
0: Well, I'm watching a lot for Halloween. I do like him. I can't watch the torture porn horror because, you know, like those saws and all these horrible things that kill people like crazy. And I don't know why people like to see that. I have to make a really horrible confession, though. I did watch, is it called, was it called The Human Centipede? Oh, boy. <laughs> I watched well, it all the way through. I, it was oh. vile, disgusting. It made me sick, but I watched the whole thing.
1: <laughs> well, I think they've done about three of those already. Yeah. I haven't seen one, and actually I just have no interest. There's a part of me that's curious, but you know what? When I see a movie, I want to be entertained. I don't mind if oh, it's a little bit of... it made me whenever, want to barf. Like <laughs> I, want, I want to see a movie that's going to make me want to have a barf bag on my lap, so yeah, I to avoid...
0: but the whole thing is I watch the whole thing, so that's a big spooktacular confession, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't really tell many people that I watch that movie. No, you I don't. through it, it's something I keep. So why don't we start... Stone.
1: I think we should probably go back to oh the, I guess the early 1920s, and that um, was beginning the beginning of the uh, of the face uh, of horror. I would say. Hey. Uh, silent films.
0: Hey, I just want to ask you. Do you hear me echoing?
1: Not really. No. No. Oh,
0: not really, or no. No, I don't. No. No, I don't. No. <laughs> I'll beat you if you do.
1: Okay. I don't, I don't hear it on my end. If you are, it's not coming through. It doesn't
0: so. sound like it. I, it did for a moment, but.
1: No, I don't hear it. No, you're coming through pretty clear.
0: Okay, so you start, mister, those early 20s. Those. Well, the early
1: 20s, even going up before that, the film is from Germany. Uh, and the, the point that I made at one was that the true original horror star was not Lon Chaney Sr., but Conrad Veidt, who, of course, we knew later on as Major Strosser in Casablanca.
0: Yes, but he played so many films, Germans, yeah.
1: Oh, yes, and he made so many films, actually, uh, in Germany and uh, Hollywood that could be considered horror, more so than Cheney did. And I'm not talking about films like The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, mm-hmm. Wax, The Hands of Orlach, The Head of Giannis, <laughs> The Man <laughs> Who Laughs. Uh, oh. quite, a, quite a collection of films. The Student von Prague, I mean, yeah, he had quite a quite a resume of horror films.
0: Um, the Golem.
1: Well, the Golem was Paul Wegener. That wasn't a Conrad Veidt film, but again, that was from Germany. It was actually kind of a, a prelude to uh, the, the uh, 1931 Frankenstein. And When you look at it, there are scenes that are actually quite similar that James Whale probably lifted from the Golem, or at least was inspired by.
0: Okay, and then there was the, uh, I believe, the first Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, which was John Barrymore. And to be honest, I really didn't like that one that much.
1: Well, it wasn't really the first. Actually, the head of Janice that uh, Conrad Veidt made uh, was one of the earlier ones before, uh, I believe, it was uh, the Barrymore version. And actually, Bela Lugosi had a part in that film playing Dr. Jekyll's butler. But the 1920 version with Barrymore, I would say, overall, is the one that people are most familiar with when you talk about the beginnings of that, of that film, of that, um, that, that story. And uh, what's interesting, of course, is Barrymore did not use much makeup. No, he, he did
0: not look like, like a, a mon, an animal fiend. <laughs> you know how, he didn't look like, like he belonged on uh, Island of Lost Souls by any means. Which,
1: which is another version <laughs> I know you're talking about right there.
0: We're going to get <laughs> on to that later, yeah.
1: But, but yeah, the, the, one, um, the Barrymore version actually does stick up much closer to the Stevenson book than the uh, later versions, mm-hmm. especially... Because if you read the book, uh, uh, Jekyll does end up committing suicide, which happens in the uh, 20 film. But, uh, yeah, again, he, he didn't use makeup excessively. He basically used body contortion. Mm-hmm. Right. And actually, he's got a creepy character when you look at some of the scenes there. Oh, uh, you
0: definitely, know. definitely. But he wasn't like this fiend, you know, like this no. fiendish character.
1: He wasn't like an animal, like you say, he belonged in a zoo or something.
0: Right. <laughs> And so you have, we're talking about now some Lon Chaney stuff, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, The Phantom of the Opera.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. So those are the two classics, I think. Why so many people today think of Lon Chaney as a horror star. When you look at his resume, he really didn't make that many horror films. But they were so popular and uh, so iconic, they kind of gave him that image. But then again, you can't even reconsider. I don't, anyway, The Hunchback of Notre Dame as being a horror film.
0: No, it's just such a sad film. I always, um, I really don't think I saw the Lon Chaney one, but I did see the one with um, our cutie pie. What's his name? That was Yes, Charles Lawton, and that just—it's just the saddest thing, and, and just like people don't change, <laughs> they're still mean like that. You know, it's like awful, poor guy.
1: Well, the Lawton version, of course, I think they make him even more sympathetic than the one in the Cheney version. Plus, you've got the dialogue which uh, Lawton delivers memorably. Uh, the, the Cheney version, of course, is silent. But outside of his grotesque appearance, again, you can't—I don't really consider that a horror film any no, more I than I could No, just like The Man Who Laughs has got horrific images, but I wouldn't call that a horror film.
0: No. And you, you, I want to talk about one that you haven't written down for the 20s. This one really, I have to say, gives me the double creep Oreos. It is Nostradamus. I'm,
1: oh, Nostradamus.
0: Oh, Nostradamus.
1: Nosferatu. I'm predicting
0: that Nostradamus <laughs> predicted Nosferatu. There yes. you <laughs> <I> go. <laughs>
1: yeah, we we definitely have to make mention of that. Uh, that is actually the the precursor to Dracula, and in fact, these, the story is that uh, Bram Stoker's widow uh, tried to, or I, I think she did actually, successfully sue the company because it was a copyright issue. And uh, I believe they destroyed copies of the film, but fortunately, some survived. Otherwise, we wouldn't have that that masterpiece of horror or symphony of horror, as it was called. It scared Enjoyed that
0: today. he double tooth out of me when I was a kid. You know, my dad loved horror films as well, and you know, on the weekend they would play these these movies, and I caught too And I, you know, what uh, you know, what a difference from suave. Uh, you know, suave, elegant uh, Bella Lugosi to, you know, Max Schreck, who, of course, didn't look like Nosferatu. But, ooh, and why did anyone just, they all just were, like, hanging out with him like he was just a normal-looking du- dude or something because he was, <laughs> you know, like, I, you know, and he was. So let's just say, hey, Nosferatu,
1: well, that was probably, I think to this day, most people consider uh, uh, Count Orlok, as he's called in the film, to be the most terrifying vampire of uh, the yeah, screen.
0: Yeah, he was just, ooh, scary. And if,
1: and if you watch the film, uh, from his introduction to towards the end, he does he does change. Like his character becomes even more grotesque, sort of like the Dr. Jekyll Mr. Hyde thing, uh, where Hyde gets progressively more repulsive. And that happens to Count Orlok, so that by the end, he's a true ghoul. In the beginning, he's freaky and creepy, but I would say he's not quite the ghoul he appears at the end of the film.
0: He's a good ghoul. Not a bad <laughs> a ghoul. <laughs> okay. So let's go. You call it the golden era of the 30s.
1: Well, uh, that was the, the sound era, of course. And uh, when we had the, I guess, the true introduction to horror movies with the big three, Dracula, Dracula. Frankenstein and the Mummy, with uh, many other great films in between.
0: Lionel Atwell, Dracula. Peter Lorre, Bela Lugosi, Boris Karloff.
1: I would say those are pretty much the the four the four uh, leaders in that, and you could probably include Basil Rathbone, but uh, him and Lorre actually were not as, as you know uh, prominent in the genre as Lugosi and Karloff, and even Atwell were. But we start with Dracula, which we know, of course, was originally a vehicle planned for Lon Chaney, who.
0: No, I don't think had, everybody knew that. I think you knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I, well,
1: maybe because I'm a monster, kid, I assume people that information? You
0: told right? me that the last time we talked, but I don't <laughs> think everybody in the whole wide world knew it.
1: Well, anyway, he did die of throat cancer at the age of 48, so he oh. uh, played Dracula never never uh, transpired. Legosi, of course, had a huge success with the role on Broadway, but he wasn't initially considered, even though he had done some films, he wasn't considered for the role of Dracula. There were other actors, including Paul Muni, who were, you know, considered to play the part, and finally they did make the right decision, and they did sign contra- uh, Lagozi to a contract. Unfortunately, it was a pretty meager one. Uh, he only made thirty five hundred dollars off the whole That's film that were twenty he earned.
0: You think of people today doing these stupid superhero movies. I'm sorry if you guys like superhero movies, but they make millions of bucks, and these guys made no moolah, no moolah.
1: I mean, they, these these actors today, like you say. Uh, have made more for one movie, I think, than some of these big names of the 30s and 40s made throughout their entire career, which is a story in itself, but you're, you're correct there. Legosi really was underpaid, but the problem is, I don't think he had a strong agent, and number two, he was desperate for the role. Yes. And I think once you know any kind of desperation, the producer's going to go, you know, ka-ching, we can uh, we can make uh, save some money on you.
0: He was wonderful, I think. He was so charming, you know, and he had this kind, You know, he was not... I call um, the other Dracula, Peter Cushing and... Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee. And to me, this Dracula, Arbella, was suave. He was a a suave, throat vampire guy. And the other dude, you know, he would romance them a little before he, you know, bit them and made them vampiruses. But... You know, Christopher Lee to me was a wham-bam. Thank you, ma'am. He did not romance his victims. He did not. He was just going in there and going for the jugular.
1: <laughs> going for the throat, exactly. Well, let's don't forget that Bela Lugosi or Bela Lugosi was uh, he created an, an iconic character. Later in his life, uh, he was interviewed aboard a, a ship coming back uh, from London to the states, and uh, the interviewer said to him, "Dracula never ends, does it?" And, he says no it never ends. And I don't know whether to call it a blessing or a curse, but it never ends. Today it would be a blessing because because of that role, he's still very well known among fans. Yeah. But people at the time love him. it did limit his career, unfortunately, uh, quite a bit.
0: Although when we get to now uh Frankenstein, they wanted Bella to star as the monster and he turned it down.
1: Well he initially thought he was going to this is when um Robert Florey was to direct the film, and uh, Lugosi was planning or hoping to play uh, Doctor Frankenstein, but that wasn't the plan. They wanted him to play the monster. And Lugosi was a very proud man, and he said, "Well, you can get any grumbling idiot to play this part," or something along those lines. And he did turn down the role. He felt that after his success as Dracula, he should be given, you know, more of a of a role with a challenge, like he said, a role with more meat to it, which he did not see in the Frankenstein monster. So. That mistake, of course, was one uh, that would affect his entire career, and uh, also William Henry Pratt became the horror star thanks to his taking on the role uh, at the request of James Whale.
0: You mean about Boris Karloff?
1: Boris Karloff. That's William his name?
0: Henry,
1: <laughs> that's his true name. You know that he always signed his contracts under his... He never legally changed his name to Boris Karloff. But when he would sign his contracts, it was always William Henry Pratt. So he always kind of kept that connection with who he really was. Well, and that he is was not a horror name.
0: That was no, it's not Boris Karloff. Is perfect, but you know he was fabulous in this, and um, I cannot see Bela doing that. I can I cannot see it. I know he did do it later, and it stunk. But we'll stick with Boris, and I love it. You know he wore th- his shoes weighed thirteen pounds each. And if you want to go on Frankenstein's monster diet, just dress like <laughs> just dress like uh, Boris, and you lose 20 pounds, the film. Oh, so. he
1: lost a lot of weight. 20 a, that pounds. That was a torturous film for him to make. Oh, uh, the The makeup, makeup sessions were incredibly long. Yeah. And, he, and, and James Whale was apparently quite a sadistic director and made Boris do scenes that he didn't necessarily have to do. And it ended up with Boris uh, developing some serious back problems that plagued him for the rest of his life.
0: Yes and also in that film um the little girl he he was horrified that he had to throw this little girl into the the water and he he didn't you know he she ended up driving with him in the makeup and he they got along fine she understood he wasn't a monster he was a nice man you know that he didn't want her uh Hurt that he 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 wanted to be careful with her, but she didn't. It just didn't go once. It went a couple times. But uh, for James Whale, he said, "What do you want for the water?" And she's like a dozen boiled eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Kid, wake it up a little. She needed jaja around. Little girl Marilyn
1: Harris. Apparently, <laughs> she had a monster of a stage mother, and uh, she kind of bonded to Boris because he was such a wonderful, kind man who loved children. And, uh, yeah, her mother apparently was quite, was quite awful. And uh, when that first scene didn't work quite the way I think it was supposed to when uh, Boris's creature tossed her into the, uh, to the pond, uh, the mother said, oh, throw her in again. <laughs> you know? Okay, yeah. It's, it's, you know, Thanks, I mean, Toots. Uh,
0: yeah. Thanks, Mommy. Uh, You've
1: got to love these stage mothers, definitely. <laughs> <Ugh>. they're. <laughs>
0: they're, they're, mo- they're the monsters, right? To me, <laughs> when, when I watched the film, of Frankenstein, and Bride of Frankenstein, which um, Boris did not want his character to talk at all. He just wanted to go, rrr, rrr, rrr. he just wanted to grunt, and he tried to get them that he didn't speak, she no like me, you know, all yards, and um, uh, he just was such a good dude, and, and they didn't listen to him, they did that, and he, he. I forgot the whole point I was going to make, but he was a wonderful actor. He could do other things, and he did not get pigeonholed. A lot of work he did was horror genre, but he didn't get totally pigeonholed like Bella did.
1: Well, you hear the name Boris Karloff, you naturally think of horror, but the thing is, that's true. He had a much more versatile career playing all sorts of roles, uh, so from gangsters to uh, to Indians. To, you know, uh, so he was a very yeah versatile actor. Um, But to what you're going back there when you said about the the speech for Bride of Frankenstein, Mm -hmm. I'm of two minds of that. I understand Boris's uh, argument. However, if you read the novel uh, by Mary Shelley, that monster, he talks a lot, and he's very, very... uh, Educated the way he delivers his, his dialogue, not like Boris who basically says "friend, good, you know, fire, bad." She <laughs> do
0: not like me, <laughs> but, but you know, we
1: belong dead. The one, but it's a great moment. Oh, actually, actually, I like I like the dialogue. I, I mean, do too.
0: I, I'm glad he talked. That like,
1: mm, yeah, gave him some humanity, and mm, especially the scene when he's with mm. the uh, the blind beggar yes. or the blind man.
0: The blind man is like, you're my friend, friend. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then John Carradine comes and screws up the work. So.
0: <laughs> well, it, it's really uh, a good film. But to me, the monster is Frankenstein. Just leave the dude alone. You're grabbing all these body parts. You have no beeswax trying to recreate life. And you are the monster. Poor, Poor little monster dude. You know, he's just... He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just like a lost soul. You know? He's
1: not. When you go back back to the original movie, the actual monster is Frankenstein's assistant, Fritz, played by Dwight Fry, Mm -hmm. who courted on tormenting the monster, you know? Uh, Then when he does get loose and everybody's chasing him, the monster's terrified. I mean, he's been brought through life, and all of a sudden everybody's after him and he's being tortured, and you have to feel sympathy for him.
0: I do. I very much do. And look what he did after he was rejected by that, you know, that babe. <laughs> <laughs> Elsa Lansbury. Yeah, well, she didn't remember. It's like she's like, ah, and her hair goes up on end, and it's like they obviously didn't show her mirror and say, you know what, you two match like you're know you like, you know, you're like, uh, you know Hook up central here um it is interesting
1: to speculate, however, if she would have accepted him as her mate, how that would have continued on i mean would they would they have had kids no, i, mean, what would they have I don't
0: like? th- I don't think she had a uterus, that's just my guess, but she could have mm-hmm.
1: and that could probably not
0: <laughs> that was probably uh, his next, and who knows if frankenstein you know, the cute little monster you know had his male parts. We don't know this. This, this is something we well, just... You would never know
1: that. No, those, I mean, those might have been pre-code films, but uh, they weren't going to go that far, I don't
0: think. No. So, um, Peter Laurie, he did a couple, and he did um, the really good Island of Lost Souls and Mad Love with Colin Clive, which I, Mad Love is, ooh, he was so creepy in that.
1: Well, I have to correct you there. Sorry, Gracie. He, he wasn't in Island of Lost Souls. That was Charles Lawton.
0: Oh, yes. You're right. I'm sorry.
1: Dr. Moreau, yes. But Mad Love. Oh, yeah, definitely. He was creepy. The final scene when he completely goes insane. Oh, my gosh. No wonder he became typecast as a screen psychopath.
0: Yeah. and Yeah, he was really creepy. And um, you're right. My Island of Lost Souls was um, Mr. Lawton. And Bella was in that, and he was, I thought he was very good. I mean, he didn't have a lot of lines, but he, I thought he was good.
1: He played the sayer of the law, which is interesting because a lot of people have said that, or it's been assumed anyway, that one of the reasons that Bela turned down the Frankenstein monster was because he didn't want to submit himself to heavy makeup. Yet you see him, not just in the film itself, but in some of the um, tests, uh, photographs that were done for Island of Lost Souls for his part. And he actually was under a lot of makeup. So I don't know if makeup was actually the re- main reason he turned down the, the, the monster, but he submitted himself to quite a, quite a lot of hair on his face.
0: I don't really law. remember that. I don't remember him being that hairy, but I really like that movie. And it's, uh, I don't want to spoil it, but I mean, this guy, <laughs> Charles Lawton at the end, I mean, move over, Fayray. This dude screaming was amazing. So real. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. But um, he was, you know, that's a very good film. It's a creepy film. Um, White Zombie, I don't like. I don't like the print. Do you like White Zombie? Uh,
1: You know, it's one of those films that kind of grows on you, I find. Mm -hmm. Um, There is actually. The prints, believe it or not, on YouTube of the film. Because I've had a few – I've had uh, VHS copies. I have the DVD. Oh, yeah, they the play
0: f- it. Yeah, it's always on Oh, yeah,
1: I, the best copy I've seen is on YouTube, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I like it because – I like Bela. I mean, that movie pretty much is like as slow as molasses. But Bela, as he did with a lot of films that were really pretty subpar, uh, he, he had such a presence and such a way about him to make you know any film watchable as long as he was in it. Now, put a, try to put a different actor in that role. Uh, and it, it just would, it would it, it, no, it would be just totally forgettable.
0: You know, and he deserves so much. You know, I wish he had money at the end, but we know how that ended. And then um, The Mummy, Bella. Yes. And, and no, um, our darling Boris, he played that, The Mummy. What do you think of That's that film? A film? When I
1: first saw it, I really was kind of disappointed in because, again, growing up, Reading magazines like Famous Monsters of Filmland, they had these really incredible stills showing Karloff when he was the resurrected mummy reaching for the scroll that Bramwell Fletcher has on his on his on his table there. So when I watched the movie, I'm thinking, okay, I'm looking forward to see the ambulatory mummy, and you never see it. All you really see are Boris's eyes opening and his hand kind of dropping from the the bandage there, and then you see his hand on the table and his. Uh, bandages training out the door, so you never actually see the resurrected mummy until he, you know he comes back as as Ahmed Bey, mm-hmm. uh, the wrinkled, uh, wrinkled Egyptian. But it's interesting to think that Boris has put himself through an amazing amount of uh, hours of makeup to just do the scenes with him in the sarcophagus, and which are really effective. But it doesn't really—I mean, you you'd like to see more, I guess. Like you saw in those '40s uh, films with Lon Chaney, where you see the mummy actually actually moving.
0: Yeah, I'm just not crazy about the mummy. That certainly wasn't my fave. Um, Lionel Atwell was a really interesting guy. He got in <laughs> trouble. Did, did you hear about his Christmas orgies?
1: <laughs> oh yes, I know. <laughs> ho ho about
0: ho! Come on in. Yeah, he had all of
1: his. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of stories about him. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> actually, if you want to read more about him, I think. I'll What's his name? Kenneth Angers, Hollywood Babylon 2, has pretty much the whole story of his of his interesting life.
0: Yes, very interesting. And he was in Murders in the Zoo, Dr. X. I just watched, again, um, Myr- Mystery of the Wax Museum. Do you like number one or number two better? The one with um, our lovely Vincent Price.
1: Oh, you mean uh, Mystery of the Wax Museum uh, as opposed to House of Wax? Right. Oh, I think I like uh Vincent Price's version better. I like, I, I like I like the earlier one. It's got in some respects it's got better uh elements to it, but it's very it's a lot of stuff happens in that short running time. Right. Um to keep track of it all whereas it's more streamlined in the uh, Vincent Price version and uh so I would I would have to give the nod to that one definitely.
0: Me too. You have you seen The Black Cat?
1: Oh, many times. I've got the DVD. Seriously. I think that's an
0: amazing film. It's you know, like, Boris is such—actually, Bella's basically the good guy, and mm-hmm. Boris is a fiend. I mean, it's like necrophilia. He's he's like the devil worshiper, the big grand mm-hmm. poobah of devil worshipping. And it's really creepy, really
1: creepy. Well, he's a—he's uh, the Satanist, and uh, I guess you could call Bella the uh, tortured hero. Right, right. Uh, because he's not, a, he's not completely all white. You no, know, couple, of course you know, not.
0: Mm-hmm. He's sort of gray. Problems. Yeah.
1: But it's such a great film that the very first that they did together, and boy, you know, that was a great team. I mean, they played off each other terrifically, you know. Uh, there was always been talk about a rivalry between the two, which I've heard really is just all exaggerated, never really existed to them, you know. that uh, They got along well. They weren't close friends, but they got along well. But they certainly played off each other, and that's probably the, the best film I think they did together was The Black Cat. And I that do, ending, too. You know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> it, it was... <laughs> it's just kind of creepy when you see Down the Stairs. I mean, I in... You know, compared to the movies today, no. It's not like you're not going to go, oh, or faint or anything like that. But it's it's creepy. It really is. And it's a movie to check out, The Black Cat. You um, know,
1: there are those actually in the 30s there, like you're mentioning, that were, today they're pretty mild. But actually, when you think about audiences back in the day, in the Depression 30s, watching The Black Cat and watching you know, Lugosi, duty us to Karloff. Or watch uh, watch uh, Murders in the Zoo. That opening scene, which is one of the most horrific things I think anybody could ever imagine watching in a theater. And that's our Lionel
0: that op- Atwell nudist and love god. Yes, he was. He was in that. <laughs> that's not as the well.
1: opening scene of Murders in the Zoo. No. But it's, it's, yeah.
0: It's
1: just as, it's just as perverse. Believe me.
0: Yes, I think. Uh, all right, I think we should actually. Okay. The Walking Dead, Son of Frankenstein, and that starred uh, uh, Basil Rathbone. He was the son of Frankenstein, correct?
1: That's correct. It was supposed to originally be played by Peter Lorre, but he turned the role down.
0: Uh, his, he didn't, I'm glad that they didn't give him that role because that wouldn't have worked. Colin Clive, him, no. No way. Son. I
1: can't, I can't imagine Peter Lorre being Colin Clive's son. Exactly.
0: No <laughs> and I feel, if you look at Colin Clive, he died at 37 years old. He was an alcoholic, horrible mm-hmm. alcoholic. Allegedly, he had chronic pain, um, and he died of alcoholism, and tuberculosis and he always looked so sad and he was so damn skinny my goodness yeah but he died he was only 37 years old but i actually liked a lot of this stuff he did in the 30s he did a lot of good stuff
1: yeah, he wasn't very fond of the horror movies he did but uh he was certainly a strong presence in those i think he had that neurotic quality about him which i think was probably the way he was in real life i think i if i'm not mistaken he had a serious war wound. Yes. That,
0: that was that, causing him the chronic uh, pain. He took drugs. He drank. He did, be, yes. And he was
1: afraid he might have to have that leg amputated, I believe. So yes. he lived in fear mm-hmm. of that. So, yeah, a lot of that. But then again, you know, a, a lot of that personal uh, uh, torture, torment actually came through so well in the characters he played in those horror films.
0: Yes. Uh, Whale. Well. Okay, I'm going to, just, this is a little tidbit, you guys. That I was, he was married twice, and the woman he was married to, when he died, did not go to his funeral. Ouch.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. Well,
1: hooray for Hollywood, you know. Yeah. There you go. All you can say, strange, strange, um, strange personal relationships, you know, today and back in those days.
0: I want to do just one more of 30s, and that's freaks.
1: I knew you were going to say that, and you've got to do me a favor. What? You know, <laughs> the last time we spoke, Free and that. you were doing the final scene, I mean, you did that perfectly as Thank far you. as I <laughs> please, please entertain the audience with your final scene from freaks. Okay. And I'm like... not talking to Chicken legs. <laughs>
0: okay. Okay. Um, Hans, you did not do this on purpose. Hans, you must not stay here. But Frida, I want you to go. I need to be away. Hans, no you do not. You need to be, and I will stay. And she stayed. But I know, I can't remember. I did it better the last time. But
1: uh, I want to give you an Academy Award. That is just, I, I swear to God, it's like I'm listening to the movie right now. That's, you do that perfectly.
0: Frida, <laughs> I don't take orders from no women's. <laughs> um <laughs> and Frida was his sister oh, in real God. life, which is a riot, yeah.
1: Oh, that was great. Thank you. That kind of made my, made my afternoon listening to that. I, I love the way you do that. But... But isn't that an interesting film, though? I, spent, and, and I think we discussed it last time we were talking, if we were on, doing it as part of the show or off. I off think that. it
0: was off. We were discussing the spectacular and, and
1: the ending, how they should have just left the film with that final shot of his chicken lady instead of putting, tacking on that kind of really... Uh, doesn't suit the rest of the movie ending that they put onto, right. onto
0: it. Right, uh, and they wanted to make it a bigger movie. They wanted Jean Harlow for the, what was, she was the nice girl. They wanted, I can't remember the actors so much, but I do know they wanted Myrna Loy as mm. Cleopatra, and she was, but they were like N-O spells no. And your, one, one of your favorite actors ended up taking the role Of The Clown.
1: Wallace Ford, yes.
0: Yes. One
1: of my favorite supporting actors, definitely.
0: But the people in, like, all the actors and stuff would not... It was Mm -hmm. like a law that the freaks freaks support, you know, the people who are in the movie, except for the the twins, the conjoined twins. And I think probably Hans and Frieda could go in. But otherwise, (laughs) the other people had to go into another place. And it's just a movie. My goodness. Imagine making that today. And and it just showed the freaks were the people who were allegedly normal.
1: Normal. Well, that movie, yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, it's... Oh, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your point of view, that was not a big success. I mean, in fact, I think it was a flop. It was a flop, MG. and it
0: horrified people. And it didn't come out again. It, it disappeared no. for like forty years.
1: Yeah, didn't it? That's right. It was actually a long time you couldn't see that movie. But uh,
0: yeah, like I say, it, it's an interesting
1: movie. I, again, would you call it a horror movie except for the ending? Probably not. The ending when well, the horror when, you know, the is supposed
0: thing. to be us being horrified by the freaks, but the yeah, but. And, but I'm here, I'm the strong man, come here. I can't stand him either. And that lady, they could get nobody big. And if you notice, and if you watch Freaks, it's on um, HBO Max. You can see, you know how they made the strong man a soprano. You can see him sitting uh, kind of diagonally. They didn't cut right into him, but you can see him sitting there. But he, he is not chirping as a soprano, so you know what they did.
1: That was apparently what the what the ending was uh, supposed to allude to, is that they uh, demasculate him. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
0: well, he was just a big, you know, like, fakey, dakey guy.
1: Okay. Yeah, it's, a, it's a good film. I, 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 like, I like to watch it, you know, when it comes on, probably be on uh, TCM, I think, next week. They're doing their Halloween films, so they'll be showing a lot of those films. And you mentioned Myrna Lloyd, of course. She was under contract to MGM and and she did do a horror film with Boris Karloff, The Mask of Fu Manchu, playing his daughter, which is another film that kind of moves into the excesses of sadism, which a lot of those films uh, from MGM of all places uh, produced during that time.
0: And did you know, did you know, Stone, that the horror genre, the horror genre, excuse me, you guys, um, didn't begin actually, they didn't call it that until 1934. Did you know that?
1: That that I didn't really know. I've never really looked in or heard about.
0: uh, Yeah, you know, I've been studying a little bit.
1: Okay. Interesting, interesting. Okay.
0: I think we should go to the 1940s, and you're writing uh, Lon Chaney, Jr., who he was a mad alcoholic. He is the son, of course, of Lon Chaney, the man of a zillion faces. And he had the humongousest thing, the wolfman.
1: Well, don't forget, Lon Chaney, uh, his father never wanted him to go into acting, and actually he went into business. Uh, there's a lot of stuff there. I kind of kind of wonder about Lon Cheney because uh, he, he was married, went into, I believe, the plumbing business. His father huh. died. Uh, Lon was quite young. I, I think Lon was only, what, uh, maybe 24, I believe, when his father died. Huh. Uh, he was in business already, but apparently, you know, business kind of suffered because of the Depression. Uh, so he decided he wanted to try show business, follow into his father's mm-hmm. footsteps, which dad wouldn't have appreciated, and began doing a lot of small parts in movies during the early parts of the 30s. What I've always wondered, though, is uh, his father was obviously quite a wealthy man. He, he had a very nice contract with the studios he worked for. And obviously, Lon Jr. or Creighton never made a lot of money off his father's will, I would imagine, because he had to actually, you know, go out and work for a living. I wonder if he was excluded from the will.
0: I've read you know, something about that. Will, I'm not like 100% sure. It sounded like, you know, as as Lon Chaney was, he was also a tortured soul. He was not anyone's idea of a friendly kind of, hey, how you doing today kind of guy. He was very much into his, I guess, his work, and he just was not, you know, Mr. Hey, you want to go and have a beer later? Kind of guy? No, he didn't. He wasn't that friendly.
1: No, he had a circle of friends, but I think he was an extremely private man. And I don't know exactly what his relationship would have been with his son. Uh, there were stories that he was not very kind to his son, that he could actually be quite physical when he was younger. I don't know. If you watch The Man of a Thousand Faces with Lon Cheney, or pardon me, with James Cagney, it kind of shows a different picture, but. Um, there have been those reports that he was uh, almost, you could say, an abusive father. And I don't know. I have no idea of saying that. But, you know, you hear these various stories. And when you think about his son having to actually, you know, move into the motion picture business because he, you know, was looking to make some extra money or make money when he had a, a wife and two kids, two sons. Right. And, uh yeah. And anyway, that's that's. What well, he did, he got into, the, in, into films and uh, pretty much struggled along, going nowhere until he obtained the role of Lenny in Of Mice and Men, the stage performance, stage role, mm-hmm. which of, and became that great movie in which he gave an incredible uh, portrayal He really of Lenny. did.
0: And I wonder oh, if people know that, you know, because they know him as the Wolfman or something like that. But I, I don't think a lot of people know that he was actually a very good actor and was wonderful in that film.
1: He was terrific in that film, and I, I'm surprised, actually, that he never got uh, a nomination. Uh, he, I mean, an amazing performance. And I look at some of these actors at that time, and I think, well, wow, why didn't he get an Academy Award nomination? Just like I could say, and I've, I've said this forever, is I think Bale Lugosi should have gotten an Academy Award nomination for playing Igor in Son of Frankenstein. I mean, he just created a character so unlike the parts he was most familiar with, you know, the elegant, aristocratic villain. Right. He played this shepherd. I mean, he's unrecognizable, and he gives that role as all. And, again, not, not, even, not even an acknowledgment.
0: Well, let's I face think, it. Uh, you know, like we were talking about, Edward G. Robinson never got nominated, and so many wonderful people never got nominated. And, no. you know. Heads or tails. Maybe they just didn't like him, that he was Lon Chaney's son, maybe, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then he made The Wolf Man. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that one. So uh, Bella was in that as well.
1: Bella had a very small part, but he was the one who uh, creates the horror with uh, his portrayal of Bella the gypsy, who is the werewolf that infects uh, Larry Talbot, Lon Chaney, and turns into the lycanthrope. You know, The Wolfman is an interesting film. Um, it's it's gotten a lot of critical praise, but it's actually a very flawed film if you watch it carefully. There's a lot of things that are inconsistent and in error. Well, watch, the first, watch the first transformation scene when uh, Larry Talbot uh, turns into the Wolfman and he goes into his room and he's got a... Uh, a T-shirt on or a, an undershirt. Well, that
0: on. stuff always bugs me.
1: <laughs> and it's, it's irritating because he's he's not dressed, but when you see him uh, fully transformed, he's dressed up in a shirt and everything, and it's kind of like, well, did you did the wolf man dress himself?
0: <laughs> yeah, high bell. waters, and then he's on his tippy. T- I love when they go to his feet and then they become tippy toes. Where's his shoes? And then when he wakes up. You know, the Wolfman's a little bit bigger than he is, too. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there's a lot about the Wolfman, but I do enjoy it. Uh, oh, yes. Evelyn Anchors could not stand Lon Chaney. Why? I don't know. Maybe he drank too much. Maybe he pinched her buttocks. I don't know why she didn't like him, but she didn't. Um, and But I do like the Wolfman. And then my guy, Claude Rains, is in it, who I love. And oh, yeah. Um, if
1: you could explain. The fact that Lon Chaney is Claude Rains' son.
0: I know. Claude Rains, I adore. (laughs) He's one of my favorite actors, but I think he's about 5'5", and I think Lon Chaney's about 6'2". And he went to America, and he talks like, doesn't talk like New York, but he just talks like a guy, and there's, of course, Claude with his wonderful, wonderful things, said John. And, of course, that wonderful woman who I never pronounce her name correctly. I'm so sorry about that.
1: Maria Uspenskaya.
0: Yes. She is so good in that, Sir John. And he finally believes that he is um, the werewolf. And yeah. it, it's so sad. It's a very good it, film.
1: Yeah. If you could overlook the flaws, of which there are many, um, it's, I mean, it's got a terrific cast. Like you say, you've got Ralph Bellamy, Patrick Knowles, Warren William. I mean, that's a, an A-list cast for you know a movie that's only 70 minutes long.
0: Yes, and it, it I do like the movie. I really do. And I feel sorry for him, but the thing that bugs me is like all of a sudden, you know, he's in the, whatever, his toes, I think he's wearing. And then he wakes up and, you know, nothing's torn, his high water pants, nothing is ripped. He just looks dandy. So that kind of gets me, but, you know. Oh,
1: yeah, there's a lot of there's we, a lot of mistakes. Yeah, but... But it's, but it's like you say, if you can overlook that, it's, it's a very fun, entertaining movie.
0: Yeah, it is, and it's like, it's movies. You know, I can't really say. No. It's, a, it's a movie to entertain us, so... Um, but,
1: but you know, Grace, a lot of those Universal movies, especially when they moved into the sequels, they're just like so inconsistent. For instance, if you watch, talking, we talk about The, the Son of Frankenstein, the final scene there when Basil Rathbone takes the monster into the sulfur pit, right? Right. Which has been for thousands of thousands of years and the monsters were in that hairy vest, whatever. Then you watch the sequel, Ghost of Frankenstein. Well, number one, Igor, who was shot dead in the son of Frankenstein, (laughs) alive again. Number two, after all those years of bubbling sulfur, it's all hardened. Number three, when the monster is removed, He's not wearing that hairy vest. He's in his Frankenstein clothes. <laughs> so it's just like you gotta use a lot of suspension of disbelief in these things.
0: Well, you know, we have to everywhere because I'm watching movies and I go, "This is so stupid." But you know, you have to suspend <laughs> your disbelief, which I can't because I'm I always going, oh, "They can't," you know, because I want to be on the set and and change things and do certain things. They stop, you know, and and I don't. I enjoy the films. I always wonder where the continuity.
1: Yeah, where are the continuity people. Like, That's the way like, what I wanted match to match up to what we had before.
0: Right. I mean, all of a sudden, a guy's standing there, his jacket's fine, but, you know, like, you know they cut it, and then in another scene, he has dandruff, and I'm like, where are the people who are supposed <laughs> to brush the friggin' dandruff off of his jacket? That really gets me, or, you know, sweaty pits. You know, he's in one scene... And it, it, it just is supposed to go right along continuity, and he's got like big sweaty oh, yeah. armpits. So, and well, women I do too. horror
1: movies, they figure if you're going to watch that and kind of believe the story anyway, why not uh, why not uh, worry about you know why worry about the uh, the continuity or the uh, inconsistency right. For because you're going to be watching something unbelievable anyway.
0: Yeah, those don't bug me. But I'm talking about regular movies. Those oh, bug regular me. movies, yeah, is bad those I mean. bug Oh, yeah. Me. I think for the 40s, because we're getting into, because I don't want to make too long of our, our spooktaculars, even though it's wonderful, I think we should talk about Dracula's Daughter.
1: Well, going back to the 30s there, yes, mm-hmm. the film that... I
0: think that boat. was in the
1: 40s. No, Dracula's Daughter was
0: 1936. No, I'm going to beat you, butt it was not. Let me Unless see. you're
1: thinking of Dracula, which was 1943. The whom of Dracula? Son of Dracula was nineteen forty-three with Lon Chaney as Ca- uh, Count Alucard. But Dracula, I love that
0: Alucard. It's it's Dracula backwards.
1: <laughs> I know, even uh, they, they they played that to death. I'll tell you. I love that. But no, uh, Dracula's daughter was nineteen thirty-six. That was getting towards the end of the uh, Universal horror reign before the British ban came on horror films.
0: Um, Yeah, but I thought it was a good film, and so so many people are like, oh, she was a lesbian, she was that, and I don't believe that. I believe she could have been anything. I think she was, you know, gender neutral. She wanted to, any jugular in the storm would do, you know what I mean? Perhaps she had, you know, but she was charming and suave like her father, chick or guy, You know, I want to suck your blood. It didn't matter to her. So, but I thought it was a good movie. I thought she was very good. I don't know the woman's name, but I thought she was good.
1: That was Gloria Holden.
0: She was fab. She was fab. You know what I want to talk about for the 40s? The Val Luton films. Not all really horror. Oh, yeah. I have that collection. Um, An old boyfriend (laughs) bought it for me. And um, at first it started The Cat People, which was. Big time. Just supposed to be a B-movie. And it took in so much money. It became a humongous hit. And I feel so sorry for Irena. And, oh, yeah. And, you know, yes. the, Tragic. the slut in her husband. You know, <laughs> he knows her fears. And I'm sorry I said a slut, but let's face it, I could say worse. She, you know, he... he says to Irina, you know, she tells him she's afraid what will happen, passion, jealousy, whatever. And so on their honeymoon night, you know, she locks herself in the bedroom, and he says, "I don't care, Irina. I'll wait as long as I'll wait as long as you need." Two weeks later, he's telling me <laughs> the lady. What's going on here? Oh, I love you too darn much for you to suffer through that. Then he tells her everything, and she comes to their home and tells him oh don't you think doctor what's his face is wonderful and this is of course the nice the nice george sanders our lovely tom conway and um, he's betrayed her he's betrayed his, that wife and uh, you know telling some woman who i can't help it darn it and i love that irena goes to that swimming joint and, you know, shreds, shreds the robes to pieces and scares her. But I think those two people were horrible, and my heart went out to Irena, big time.
1: Yeah, it's a wonderful film. And it's interesting to think about the whole Val Luton uh, collection there, basically, because RKO wanted to move into horror films. And Val Luton was adamant. He didn't want to make movies like The Wolfman. He wanted horror movies that were going to be effective more through suggestion. Exactly. Than, you know... Uh uh, a man transforming into a werewolf, whatever. Uh, so yeah, the Cat People, of course, is a, is a great film. I think to people who what, like their monster movies, is probably a film that's somewhat disappointing because you don't really see outside of some shadows in that uh, the transformation or uh, the monster itself, or you know the. Uh, but it's, 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 it works on a wonderful on a wonderful level as as just a good, scary suspense story.
0: Well, I think they do get to see it when, like, you know, there's, there's Tom Conway, very charming. And he's the psychiatrist. He comes to the house. And, you know, he's like, you know, come to me, baby. I'll show you. <laughs> you're not going to get. You're not going to kill me if I kiss you or whatever. And she turns. <laughs> and you kind of, maybe you're right. Maybe it was just in his shadow and we see him smacking her.
1: Um, yeah, you see you do you do see? I'm, uh, it's, it's kind of I'm, I, it's been a while since I've seen that film. Whether or not it's, you do see the struggle between the two. But I'm not sure if it's through shadows or do they actually show some kind of a. I think they uh, show
0: briefly. Um, briefly
1: shots, uh, brief shots.
0: Yes, um, the body snatcher, which is great. It's Boris and Bella again.
1: Uh, well, I will tell you right off the bat. If anybody ever wants to know what my favorite all-time horror movie is, it is The Body Snatcher.
0: We all want to know. Tell us, tell us, Tom. <laughs> it is it is my all-time
1: <laughs> it is my all-time favorite horror movie, and it's not even in a lot of ways a horror no, movie until the ending. But I'll tell you what all. really makes that work for me is Henry Daniel and Karloff. Their acting duel. You see two pros at the top uh. of their. Perf-
0: well, Wonderful.
1: I, I can watch that movie ad nauseum just to watch these two incredible actors. And Henry Daniels, you're an underrated, sadly an underrated actor. But oh, boy, I love is He holds him. his own against Boris and vice versa. In,
0: in and every the film. they share are just great.
1: like, you know what, I'll tell you something. I'm, I'm talking about this and I'm getting shivers right now because, you know, I was an actor and uh, I've also taught acting and, that I, and, and to me that's just one of the best scenes uh, or, or there several scenes in that film that just work to, to perfection with these two great actors.
0: You know, um, one that doesn't really get talked up of the Val Lutons are is um, The Seventh Victim.
1: No, I know. That's one of his lesser films, it seems to be. I mean, it plays quite frequently on TCM and it'll probably be on again next week. It's but really it's not good. not one that's kind of mentioned in the same breath as The Body Snatcher or Cat People. That's true. No. But it's a very good atmospheric film and uh, you've got uh, Ward Cleaver as the hero in that <laughs> Wasn't that
0: a riot? And you have this <laughs> on, yes. it, it was I don't know if it was her first film but um, oh, uh, uh, what was her name? The one still Kim Hunter. Yeah, Kim Hunter.
1: Kim Hunter, yes.
0: She had a nice voice then her smoking didn't take over as of yet and she was uh, the sister who disappeared her sister, who's gorgeous and very exotic looking, and you know she had a, she always was talking about suicide. And Doctor Judd um, was re- resurrected for this film. Yes, from
1: the cat yeah, people. I, I was going to mention that actually. So yeah. he, he never actually died in *Cat People*, and yeah. he's back enough in he's the same back character. Back
0: in that, and he's sweet, and they they end up saying the Lord's Prayer to the Satanists, and. It's just an interesting film, and to see Ward Cleaver in it, Kim <laughs> Hunter, this other woman—I d- I can't think of her name—the one who played her sister. She did another one too, um, but she was she was pretty good. Uh, I liked her a lot. Voodoo Man, Bowery, Scared to Death, Voodoo Man, <laughs> Return of the Ape Man. I'm looking at some of your.
1: Movies that you've written. Well, that's moving into the Poverty Row films of the 1940s when I think these smaller companies were trying to capitalize on horror movies, still, you know, still at that time uh, drawing in audiences. But uh, yeah, they're very, very much lesser grade movies. Uh, And sadly, that's where Bela, after his great successes, Igor and Son of Frankenstein goes to Frankenstein, the Wolfman. uh, His Universal contract wore out and he went to uh, Monogram and uh, began making those really, you know, pretty bad movies, actually. I mean, if not for Bela, again, it'd be totally forgot, forgettable, but it's sad to see an actor like himself, especially after he had that great comeback as Igor, uh, having to make those movies like The Ape Man. And, yes. Uh, you know.
0: He had to make the dough. He had to make a living. So we're Yeah, going? he
1: did. You know, and yeah. that's what was being offered to him. Again, an actor with uh, such, a, such a great presence in that. And Again, he made those films watchable. But uh, such a, such a come down after, you know, the films he made in the 30s, like The Raven, The Black Cat, Invisible yes. Ray, Dracula, Murders in the Rural Morgue, pictures of that type, and then doing Black Dragons and Bowery in Midnight. And,
0: well, unfortunately, you know. unfortunately, that happened to a lot of people. Not true. just Bel, but um, you know, we're talking about spooktaculars here, so we can't talk about the others. No,
1: but we know that's true. A lot of actors have, you know, we, we can mention even George Raft again, I mean what happened to his career. You know, uh, ending up doing, you know, a lot of crap in the fifties, that mm-hmm. uh, eventually his career just basically petered out, which was happened. You know, with, well, we'll go into that. I guess when we go into the fifties with with Bela Lugosi, with his career. How that really went down, really right down the tubes.
0: Um so we're at an hour maybe we should do 50 a couple 50s why don't we just talk about briefly how okay. in the 50s about sci-fi replaced traditional horror um and they did because of the um because of the uh atom bomb all these things you know it came from outer space uh, tarantula Them, The Thing from Another World, The Deadly Mantis, Godzilla, Monster on the Campus, <laughs> and then cheesy, cheesy films. But mostly, and also, the, what what is it, The Attack of the 50-Foot 50, 50 Woman? Oh, yeah. She comes Incredible out. Incredible shrinking man, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Invasion of the awesome saucer man, the shrinking man, amazing colossal man, and War of the Colossal Beast. And he, the colossal man... Didn't he make the 50-foot woman 50 feet? It was a Colossal Man, wasn't it? Such I a I would love to see the two guy. of them
1: get together. That would be really interesting, the Colossal now, Man and the foot woman. That it, would I have know. been a, quite, a, quite a combo.
0: Harry! She wanted Harry! Harry! But it just cracked me <laughs> right. up because you're in the house and you see... The paper mache hands, and oh, she's, yeah, I know she's and nothing. The walls don't fall out. Nothing comes out. They've got like an elephant <laughs> thing. To and she's transparent.
1: Away. <laughs> when you watch her walking through the countryside, going towards the end where Harry and and uh, Vickers is, uh, he's walking. She's walking through these. Uh, uh, this desert, and you can—I mean—you can see right through. Like the effects are just, oh boy, you got to reuse a lot again. Suspension of disbelief, I think, in a, in a film like that.
0: But it's fun, and you know, it does that. Well, it's fun. It's like I curse, uh, um, the body snatchers. It's such a—you know—the invasion of the body snatchers. I, they remade it in the seventies, but I really like the fifties version, and I think it's great. Again, you know, Adam Bomb kind of deal. Um, creature of the Black Lagoon, and it makes me sad. I can't watch that movie because mind your own beeswax, leave the creature alone. And even one of the guys on on the expedition says, you know, we do not really have the right to be hunting this creature down. And I'm with him because I'm always for the creature who's minding their own beeswax. Like, in, I can watch. Um, King Kong, and somebody said to me, "Sent me the son of King Kong." And said it's even worse than King Kong. So he said, "It's worse than King Kong. I can't watch oh, yeah. King Kong. So why are you sending me King Kong, the son? That's worse. Anyway, I I just feel sorry for these people. It's it's like the monsters of the people who take them out of their natural habitat. Shame, shame, shame on you.
1: That's well, the amazing. creature, of course. Uh he puts up with a lot of that, and at the end, he kind of tries to block off the lagoon so they can get out of there. It's kind of like, okay, Yo, you guys, now it's my turn, you know.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so he tries to block
1: and it's so, you know.
0: it's so cute because they have behind the scenes of this, and I've posted a lot of pictures of them. And um, I'll have to tell you, the creature from the Black Lagoon, the, the guys that, you know, wear the, the creature outfit, hubba, hubba, hubba. And I'm it, You're
1: talking about Rico Browning, the swimmer.
0: Growl. They were cute as he's, he's
1: still with us. I think he's in, 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 uh, in uh, ill health now, he, but he's still with us, apparently. Oh, interesting story about him. Uh, when I was talking with John Agar, who did The Revenge of the Creature, he said that uh, this is really strange because Rico Browning could hold his breath underwater for the longest time, which is why they wanted him to play that part for the underwater scenes. Yet he was a chain smoker. That's amazing. No, you figure that one out.
0: I can't. I just can't. I can't figure (laughs) it out. Anyway, why don't you tell everybody, our our Stoney is a horror writer. I've read stories that he's written. They're wonderful. And you have a new book out. And everybody, we'll talk about it next week uh, more. But he was called, check this out, and I think this is really cool, The Stephen King of Manitoba.
1: But well, that was very flattering. That was from a, a B.C. publication You're called... You are
0: sizzling.
1: Uh... <laughs> well, that was, yeah, Western Report Magazine back in the day uh, after I published a book there that actually did quite well, uh, The Stephen King of Manitoba. And it's, it's, it's quite flattering. I mean, I just wish I had the, the success and maybe the wealth that Stephen King has, but it was still very nice to hear that. And uh, so I appreciate you mentioning, mentioning that. And Name my, your yeah, my new latest...
0: book, your latest book.
1: My latest book is called The Batesville Ghoul.
0: Ooh, that's
1: scary. Which is a story story based on uh, the legend of the Wendigo, uh, which to me is probably one of the more terrifying creatures uh, of legend and lore. Uh, and I always said, you know, if I want to write, I was originally thinking about writing a book about Sasquatch until I realized there've been a lot of Sasquatch books, and I don't particularly find Sasquatch that terrifying Me either. He just has big feet, one, you
0: know. He's got big feet. That's all we really know. So we <laughs> don't know anything else. Yeah, Sasquatch. I know basically. people.
1: I know people who've known people apparently who've seen this thing. Really? Uh, I have. Oh yeah. I'm, in fact, my uh, my uh, stepfather's sons. Best friend apparently had a a, a sighting, story that I'm ever hearing. Oh my! Which is actually quite a good story. You you told that quite in detail. So, I mean, I personally, uh, I believe in it. I do. I believe in. I'm very open minded. I I believe in.
0: I don't disbelieve. I
1: believe in Sasquatch. I believe in ghosts. Oh, uh, I I believe in ghosts. I totally
0: totally believe in ghosts. I have been around ghosts, and I believe. uh, Yeah, I totally believe. I don't dis. You know what I mean? I'm. I don't know. So why would I just say, I don't believe in this?
1: I can't. I, well, that's just it. You have to, you know, especially the way the world is now, it's kind of neat to have an open mind and look at things that are beyond what we're looking at every day in this world, like uh, aliens. You know, I mean, how can you not believe that there is, there's life on other planets? Um, why would we be the one little tiny how pathetic, right universe just that has us. life on it?
0: And your book is out. Please check it out. Tell them the name again.
1: It's the Batesville Ghoul, and it's available on Amazon and on the Bear Manor Media website. And uh, I'm very proud of the book. I think it's got some uh, good uh, spooky elements to it. uh, I think if you're looking for a book that's going to give you a nice little shiver, Uh, it's a book you would enjoy for
0: Halloween. Yes, definitely, and I am going to link you guys up to it. Stone has written a bunch of books. And um, I love your new one, a Western horror story. That sounds great.
1: That well, as I said, that's novel, cool. that's, that's a short story. But, oh. uh, I've, I've submitted that. I've got two stories. Uh, I have one coming out actually in Terror Tract magazine, uh, which will be out in November. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an online publication, but it's also available as a print on Amazon. And uh, the one I just finished, um, a short. A, pardon me, a short ride to Boot Hill, uh, which is a western horror uh, has just been submitted, so i 'm waiting to hear back on uh, the progress of that one
0: well, you 're busy, Mr. Stony Stonewallis, and <laughs> I will link you guys up to everything, and I want to thank my spectacular guest because you are spectacular and spectacular <laughs> as well. And we're going to do another one hitting the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s. And I have to say, a lot of these films are very spooky things that happened after and during. So it'll be interesting. And this spooktacular was just spooktacular. Say it for us, Tony. (laughs) Spooktacular. Yes. Frida, it was spectacular. <laughs> okay, everybody Thank you for listening And um, I'm putting this up You will have part two Before before Halloween We'll have to get our butts on at work on this one So thank you, my darling Stone I love doing shows with you You are fabulous and
1: vice, vice versa, vice versa I feel the exact <laughs> same day about you
0: do you like my jugulars?
1: <laughs> uh, yes. We will have to meet because I love New York, especially in the nighttime.
0: <laughs> okay, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll be with you uh, as soon as can be. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you so much to Stone. And I will link you up to Stone stuff. He is a wonderful writer. And talk to you the next time. <laughs> Bye, Stoney. Bye, everybody. Thank you. To the of not only good, true. True stories of
1: Tinseltown.